0: John Elway retired from the Denver Broncos amongst his voice cracking and his eyes brimming with tears. Enter Steve Young, who in 1999 had suffered two concussions in two weeks through the third week of the NFL season. He was done for the season. June 5th, 2000, Steve Young flies to Denver International Airport and meets with Mike Shanahan, who tells Young that he will sign him and make him the starting quarterback in Denver. Keeping in mind that Brian Greasy was a, Pro Bowl quarterback in 2000 for the Denver Broncos. Five years later, Denver Broncos, through Jake Palmer, are in the AFC Championship game, and they lose badly to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, at the time, the losing coaches at the conference championship games were the ones who coached their respective divisions in the Pro Bowl game. Mike Shanahan got to work with Peyton Manning for an entire week and came away inspired. So inspired that in April of 2006, Shanahan trades forward and, through the advice of his good friend Jeff Fisher, drafts Jake Heller. Cutler would never lead the Broncos to the playoff, but did make the Pro Bowl in 2008, the same season that Mike Shannon was fired from the Denver Broncos. Welcome to Mile High Radio Podcast. This is episode eight. The Broncos are 2-0, and oh, and Kyle Montgomery, who predicted that Denver would not be 0-2 by this point, is here with me. Hi, Kyle.
1: My name is Mandius, King of Kings. <laughs> Look on my works, ye mighty and despair.
0: People are going to be like, what the heck is going on with these guys? This is not MHR radio.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Welcome to the best Denver Broncos fan podcast on the internet. I am Kyle Montgomery. We like to mix in a little Breaking Bad talk, and Ozymandias refers to the latest and greatest Breaking Bad episode. Uh, we'll get to that much later, though. Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. We also
0: have Jan, who's our silent partner, who occasionally says hi, but I don't think he will right now. A um, couple things. When do you think, do you think they're going to figure out that we killed Jan? <laughs> I was just going to keep trying to gloss over that topic, but now that you put it out there on uh, on audio. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm live right now? You're Dude, live. We, shouldn't, we, we shouldn't have killed Jan. He wouldn't have made it live right now. It's just, we'll make it like South Park. We'll keep it Denver or Colorado-themed, and we'll kill Jan every episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just let him. Just, I have to find it. Oh, my it. God. Thank you, Jan. Jan Wang. You bastard. <laughs> okay, so I, the biggest news this week is probably Ryan Clay It's got to be, for the Broncos anyway, it's Ryan Clayton's injury. Uh, Kyle, go into that for me.
1: Well, the injury news is not good. There are conflicting reports out there. We've got Adam Schefter saying that Ryan Clady is going to be out at least a few weeks. That is the latest we've heard from Schefter as of Tuesday night. Uh, Then we've got Mike Kliss, who reported Monday night that he could be out for the entire season, that the Broncos could put him on season-ending injured reserve. Uh, That's obviously the worst-case scenario for the Broncos. Clayton has a lisp-frank foot sprain. Um, Depending on the severity of that sprain, he might need surgery. And whether or not he needs surgery means he'll be out around four to six weeks or he'll be out uh, two to four or even more months. The Broncos talked about it yesterday. Uh, The reporters were there to ask John Fox about it. They said they are still looking at it. They are looking at this injury. They're getting all the information they can, getting all the tests done, getting second opinions. Um, So... That way they know what to do. Right now it's big up in the air, but it doesn't sound good. It is not encouraging at all.
0: They looked at it so hard that they actually signed Chris Clark (laughs) to a longer contract for some
1: reason. That (laughs) That was very interesting, the timing of all that. But according to Clark, they agreed in principle on the contract Friday before the game and before the injury happened, and then Monday signed the dotted line. So maybe it was just a fortuitous, happy coincidence, if you believe in that sort of thing. So one of the
0: questions uh, I got, and you probably got it on Mile High Report on Twitter account, Um, almost immediately after the news was announced that Clayton might be out for some extended amount of time, someone, uh, one of our listeners, asked us, how many Pro Bowl left tackles has Peyton Manning played with in his career? The answer is one, other if you don't count Clady. <laughs> so two if you count Clady, one if you don't count Clady. Um, but it's not like he's had a, a Pro Bowl left tackle his entire career. He had he had the same guy in 2004, oh5 and '06. He made the Pro Bowl three years in a row. Uh, but for the rest of his career, he hasn't had you know someone of of Ryan Clady's level. Was that like Jeff Otar or something like that? What is his name? I can't
1: remember off the top of my head. I can have it in like one second, but um. yeah, Colts O lines. They've never been good. Um, And I always thought Jeff Saturday was overrated. Uh, I I mean, I did. I didn't really want him in Denver. Um, So that doesn't surprise me at all. That Peyton Manning's release and Peyton Manning's ability to call out the protections helps his offensive line as much as the offensive line helps him. Is losing Ryan Clay, be a blow. You, you better believe it. we, talked about it all preseason we talked about waiting for Ryan Clay to get back and watch the offensive line will be, will be better and Clay came back and it was better now he's gone again I, I can't go both ways and just be like oh it'll be fine now uh, when we're waiting for Clayton to get back the whole time this is a big blow he, to me he's the second most important Bronco on the team uh, so this is huge
0: yeah I think um, uh, I mean we are now down three of our four best players and yeah I don't know that um i don't know that the, the season would survive if say like peyton manning were to go down knock on wood uh, i did have an interesting conspiracy theory develop on my uh my drive home i was thinking about uh Champ Bailey. And I know that we're not going into that just yet, but I have a, I have an interesting. Uh, hey, man, see that episode's tidbit, over, clean the episodes over key. Call the on Champ Bailey uh, when we get into him after see our that break. episodes over Let's the talk kitchen? about there was another significant, well, it oh, seemed okay. significant at the time injury, uh, which was to Duke Nacho. What are you hearing about Duke Nacho?
1: Well, according to Duke Nacho on Twitter, he's fine. He's ready to play Monday night. And same goes with Robert Ayers. Both guys left the game Sunday uh, late in the game with injuries. Looked like Ayers was something upper body and looked like Duke Iannaccio was an ankle. And both say they're fine and ready to play Monday night against the Raiders. So the Broncos dodged a couple of bullets with two defensive starters there. Yeah, they
0: really did. And Duke Iannaccio, right now, he's tied for sixth in the NFL in tackle. So not bad for a guy in his second game as, a, as an NFL player, not even just as a starter.
1: So let's talk about. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Carl. Uh, yeah, I, I like Inacho a lot. He's lived up to the hype from training camp. He had a really strong week one. A little bit less so week two, but not a bad showing overall. And I mean, he has a nose for those running plays. He's a very good, strong safety. Yeah, he's and he's just he's just fun to watch. He's he's kind of brought the electricity back. Broncos. He, of- he has he has veteran instincts. It's his first year, and he's an undrafted second year player. And he looks like he has veteran instincts out there on the field. Like I almost trust him a little bit more than I do with Raheem than I do Raheem Moore right now, who's who's still kind of up and down um, as far as decision making goes. Let's talk about. You brought up Raheem Moore. Let's talk about the whole uh, you know Broncos Giants game as a as a whole. But let Raheem Moore, let's stick with him for one second. That hit, come on! Oh my so... goodness. That was a textbook perfect hit. And the week before uh, Lindsey Jones of USA Today, formerly of the Denver Post, uh, formerly of most Broncos fans dreams that she was single before, but now she's married. So, sorry. <laughs> sorry, guys. But uh, Lindsey Jones tweeted out an interesting note about that. The NFL sent out to all the media what a textbook tackle should be. And they used Raheem Moore's hit on Dallas Clark in week one. That brutal hit. That was awesome. Um they use that hit as a textbook hit this one was just as much textbook Mm where he more kept his head up he hit it with the shoulder and it was shoulder pad shoulder pad and he leveled that giants player actually was trying to google and look up who that giants player was i watched half the game again last night but i didn't see that play um yeah it it, it was a clean hit the refs in that game were just absolutely ridiculous
0: yeah, the refs – and it, and it wasn't like the Broncos necessarily ever got it made up to them too. Sometimes when the calls just go bad. Like there was an entire giant scoring drive where four of the calls went against the Broncos and all four led to a um, first down all the way down the, the goal line.
1: Yeah, there were 13 penalties for over 100 yards against the Broncos. And I'd say at least four of them and probably at least five of them were really bad calls. A lot of calls are ticky-tack. I'd say four or five were really bad calls. The officiating was completely suspect.
0: Tarek Glenn, by the way, was the name of the uh, Indianapolis Colts left tackle who went to the Pro Bowl with with Manning in 0-4, and '06. 6 Who? I don't even know who that is. Interesting. <laughs> Pro Tarek, Bowler, three, yeah. three times. Okay. Super Bowl champion, AFC championship, played 154 games, played, started 154 games. Sorry about that, Tarek Glenn. (laughs) I kid, I kid. The name does ring a bell, but I never
1: thought of him that
0: way. You especially. You're the only guy I know that that likes
1: offensive uh, alignment. (laughs) (laughs) That can't be true. The uh, offensive line sets the pace for the whole game. Oh, man, I could go on and on. I'd, (laughs) I'd say left tackle is the second most important position on the field, and center might be like. Fourth or fifth. I mean, it's that high up for me. So you Offensive
0: should make out clear. with Tom Nalen. Uh, <laughs> what more I'm, takeaways from the from the Giants Broncos game? Um, defensive line looks really strong too. It's just not getting the push. I mean, you might disagree with me. It's, it's, they're not getting sacks, but they're they're getting what they need in front of the quarterback's face in order to provide the secondary with the opportunity to create
1: turnovers. I put it the other way. I don't think the defensive line is doing that great, and I think the secondary is covering uh, the targets of the opposing quarterbacks so well that it's giving the defensive line the opportunity to get to the quarterback. These are these are coverage sacks that we're seeing. Eli Manning had four interceptions and only one sack. He had some pressure around him, but it, it was by no means consistent pressure. And uh, you know, Sean Phillips, who, who had two and a half sacks week one, had none this week. Kind of disappeared a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not satisfied with the defensive line as far as pass rush goes at all. They need Von Miller back there.
0: He uh, There's that moment, though, that's happened. It's happened now in the last two weeks, and it happened a little bit going back to last season. There's that moment when the Broncos have the game, and you can just see like the defense pin its ears back, and you know it's just going to be utter chaos on the other side of the ball. Like, once once um, Trenton Holiday had run that, that punt return in for the touchdown, it was just game over. The defense
1: was just going to rock it. And yeah, mid to late third quarter too, I think, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Early fourth at the very latest is all it was, yeah.
0: Just causing chaos. Eli
1: Manning had t- two
0: of those interceptions. I I mean, one of them, you can't really fault him on. He was just trying, to, at the end of the half, trying to, trying to make a play happen. But that one where it was just, I think it was
1: Tony Carter out in the middle of like just right field. He was all by himself. <laughs> Yeah, there was some there was some miscommunication there because Tony Carter was like, "Oh, a punt." Nice. <laughs> I think uh, that dance that he did afterwards. I think it was with
0: Chris Harris. That probably that should get nominated for uh, celebration of the of the season.
1: It's an early nominee. It's on the short list so far. I'll have to check it out. I did not see that. Thing. I was probably <laughs> busy tweeting and writing about the game. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing. It's
0: keeping up with the game while you tweet is it's tough and people are asking questions trying to get numbers and like who was it that did that play you're hoping that the tv does a replay and they're
1: not (laughs) oh yeah plus i'm writing a recap of the game during the game that's that's the the most fun part is that you know there are people who want to talk about the game immediately when it ends Mm -hmm. and they don't want just one sentence they want something of substance at least a little bit they want three or four maybe five paragraphs talking about the game and how the broncos won so the game goes. This is the challenge of a blogger. I'm not complaining. I'm just talking about the challenge of it, and that I've learned what is successful to do, to you know overcome this challenge. You need to have some stuff ready. The hardest part, the absolutely hardest part, is the last three to five minutes of the game, because you're getting everything ready. You have to write the score in like three different places, and you're like, damn it, nobody's score anymore. The Broncos are <laughs> up like 41 <laughs> to 20, and the Giants kick a field goal. It's 23. You know, or whatever. That wasn't the case here, but. You get the point, and you know if if Eli Manning throws another interception in the last few minutes, which he did, I have to go and find where I wrote he threw three interceptions, and you know replace it and write four yeah. and all this stuff. So the score goes final. I had published within thirty seconds of it going final. That's the goal, and, uh, and it, 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 it makes yeah, it yeah. so I miss I miss Chris Harris and Tony Carter doing touchdown dances <laughs> or interception dances. I miss that because I'm busy writing a recap,
0: and we don't even have to deal with east coast uh, east coast deadlines. Those are the friggin worse when you gotta get published something before the east coast goes to print you got things like i don't know rain delays and whatever anyway uh we're gonna take a break and we're gonna go uh we're gonna be back with a raiders preview and oh sorry yeah raiders preview and a few other really good things along with a wrap-up to what the heck was i talking about in the beginning of the show
1: go break i mean go broncos With style and grace, allow me to lace these typical dishes in your bushes. Uh. Who rock grooves and make moves with all the mommies? It's the bad back bad of the club, bad. sipping my way is where you find me. The
0: back of the club, knocking holes, my crew's behind me. Uh. Mad question asking, blunt passing, music lasting But I just can't yeah. quit because one of these homies biggie got to creep with, sleep with, keep the ep a secret. Why not? Uh. I hope you played some uh tourist DIG during that break there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are that's Kyle's favorite rapper by the way we are back and we want to talk about the Broncos defense so the Broncos defense it's never been an issue for Jack Del Rio and John Fox to put together a defense they've never they they've coached together for this is their third season they've been in the overall defensive category they've never finished lower than second um and either year that they've coached together third year it's shaping up to kind of look the same i mean we 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 get baltimore and and ray rice we shut him down uh i don't know that david wilson's comparable to to ray rice and i think that you know might want to get in (laughs) you might want to get into uh running the running defense period when we get into the raiders preview but we the, the 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 two best players on the broncos defense haven't been on the field Champ Bailey and Von Miller are both gone and and look to be gone. I mean, Champ Champ's going to see extended, probably at least one or two more weeks, and Von Miller, we, as we all know, he will not be back until week seven.
1: The Broncos miss Von Miller, but it's really not clear yet if they miss Champ Bailey, and that's not that's not the nicest way to put it, but it's just true. Dominique Rogers-Cromartie and Chris Harris are playing lights out. Some people had a little bit less of an opinion about Chris Harris last week. He gave up a big play to start the game. But really, he was step-for-step step with Victor Cruz, and I've been very, very, very impressed with Chris Harris uh, since last year. I mean, since his rookie year. And he hasn't done anything to make me change my mind about that. Chan Bailey, um, you know, I'm wondering if your conspiracy theory has something to do with Chan Bailey there, Ian. I'm curious <laughs> what you have to say. Well, I Alex- was uh,
0: yeah, I was just thinking it over, and and you have Champ Bailey, who who's you know injured, uh, maybe more hurt than injured at this point, and he's he's being inactivated for the games. He's due, I mean, what does he do next season? Like uh, more than ten million dollars. It's not going to be hard to justify to him at the end of this season that he needs to take a pay cut for the for the, you know for the good of the team, and he's, they're not going to look bad on the fans behalf, because everyone's gonna
1: be like, we don't even need him. How good the defense been without him? Well, I mean, the defense has been good without him. Champ Bailey enters the, the uh, final year of his contract, that big extension he signed, uh, mm-hmm. back in 2011. He signed that big contract and he'll be, uh, owed 9 million next year. So he's already, he's already owed, um, more than that this year. The Broncos paid him more than that this year, a little bit, 9.5 million with a 1.25 million roster bonus, um, Back at the start of free agency so that's close to 11 million dollars the broncos paid champ bailey um just shy of that so next year's nine million it's a little bit less of a hit and if the broncos are going to keep him they need to see something he needs to get healthy because right now they're fine without him and he's not worth nine million on the roster he yeah. needs
0: to- and hopefully, maybe not. Hope, so hopefully, we're we're saying the same thing about Ryan Clady in a couple of weeks. Those are those are two of the the three highest paid players on the Denver Broncos right now, and they're on the training table.
1: Chan Bailey had a good year last year. The reactions to his playoff game were completely overblown. Here's the thing, though: Dominic Rogers Cromartie is basically on a one year contract. He, it was technically a two year contract, but it was basically but it was basically one. So technicality aside, aside he has an option to sign or not. Um, so. Those are the Broncos' top two cornerbacks. They need to sign. They need to keep one of them. Chan Bailey is under contract next year. So it's really... um, The 2014 season is interesting. What are the Broncos going to do with these cornerbacks? Can they afford to keep both and keep Chris Harris aboard? Is he due a big payday? Yes. Um, Is it better to to do it now than right before he hits free agency? Yes. You want to reward your players who have played well for you. Um,
0: Well. What we have to remember in our in our short minds as fans and our short term minds as fans is that coming into week three of last season, we had a guy named Tracy Porter who was fresh off an AFC defensive player of the week in week one and, and kinda of disappeared uh later on in the season. So I mean it's not I'm not saying DRC and, and uh Tracy Porter are comparable. I'm just saying keep in mind that this has happened before and fans, you know, kinda of hedge your your expectations and anticipation towards that
1: did he really I don't even remember that that is remarkable he
0: he won Pittsburgh uh Pittsburgh Steelers game he had that he had that kind of game-winning interception
1: oh that's right Ben
0: Roethlisberger so another place uh well not another place where we're a place where I think a lot of fans are concerned is the running game and now you're out Ryan Clay. You got Chris Clark coming in it it I don't know that Chris Clark, Chris Clark's not going to be able to replace Ryan Clady straight up, but he is, you know, maybe with assistance, maybe we bring over Virgil Green at tight end and then you put another running back, you know, you, you assigned whoever's in there, no Sean Moreno on tape ball, um, Ronnie Hillman to that left, whoever's coming off that left tackle spot. You can kind of give him a crutch at least for the first couple of weeks until they decide whether or not he's worth it. But in the meantime, the, the Broncos running game is scheduled to suffer even more, I would
1: assume. Oh, if we start having to move over tight end help over to Chris Clark's side, that impacts the entire offense. I mean, the big run that Nosha Marino had this week was off the right side, off the strong side, where you typically see the tight end, Virgil Green, sealing off two Giants players. We don't want to have to shuffle around our whole personnel grouping just to, you know, babysit Chris Clark. That is. That, that's a huge detriment to the offense is this something we might need to do yeah you're right but I'm just trying to punctuate that that would suck <laughs> <laughs> let me puff and pontificate on and elaborate on the fact that that would suck
0: I have not gone we have we have some wonderful statistic people at at mile High report we have uh we have tofer Dahl and we have uh mike yeah. gomez they're both really really good at tape and 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 statistics I have not gotten to them with this but i I imagine that the Broncos are running when they run, they're running predominantly out of a two tight end set and not a three receiver set. So I will get back I'll get back, I guess, probably next week on that. But if, if we are if that if my hypothesis is correct and we are running out of a two tight end set, the running game is in big trouble with, with the loss of Ryan Clady, especially if that tight end needs to needs to double down and help out on the on that left side of the offensive line.
1: Well if they're in a two tight end set then one might be on each side and we'd be all right. Um I'm not sure either. I think Mike Gomez our, our own Bronco Mike is the man as far as personnel groupings go. And I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Broncos open up in a wide three wide out set. Um especially with Joel Dreesson being hurt still. I I think that's been the case, that it's been those three wide receivers and then Julius Thomas out there starting each game. So, you know. And this is the exact reason why you
0: don't trade guys. You know, people people in the preseason are like, oh, we'll bundle No Sean Moreno and Joel Dreesson and get a six round pick or whatever, first round pick, whatever oh <laughs> you throw it out there. But like, yeah, imagine where the Broncos would be. Um, one guy who could possibly return this week is is the uh the the son of the of the preseason, CJ Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Forty one
1: yes. Terrell Davis Yards. <laughs> we We don't need him anymore no sean Marino averaged seven point one five yards per carry uh last week. He had two touchdowns i I absolutely loved that long run down the side that twenty five yard run twenty yard run mm-hmm. for that touchdown and you know why I loved it. He found another gear he he just sped up and outran everybody, and he kept two hands on that football. You watch that again. He secured that damn thing. He did not let it move. He had two arms around it, and he still managed to burst out ahead of every defender chasing him. It was it, – it just made me so happy. After that Monte Ball fumble at the goal line to see Marino taking care of the football and running like he'd never had in his whole NFL career, I was stoked. Marino earned – has had the starting job since week one now, and he only put a greater stranglehold on that job uh, – on Sunday, just like he put a greater stranglehold on that football by securing it to the goal line. It was good.
0: Right. And then Jan just pointed out that during, you know, as it gets colder in Denver during December and in January, you're going to need all four of those running backs to kind of keep the team
1: moving. Uh, beyond that, I think. Well, well plus, no Sean Marino is going to get hurt like in. The <laughs> so, a- yeah, it's good to have CJ Anderson back.
0: The Giants, the Giants game. If it's a, if it's a home game in New York, if it's a, an away game in New York, it's basically a home game for NoShawn Moreno. Though he's from New Jersey, Jets the Giants play in New Jersey. His grandmother's there. He's, you know his, his whoever from high school from college. They're all they're all coming to the to the game in New York. Uh, let's just fly those guys out to the home games in Denver and see what see what he does if he plays in front of his grandmother every every week. <laughs> so,
1: uh, oh, go ahead on this season is Marino come on
0: <laughs> we have um we do have another issue on on uh, our perceived issue on the offense which which happens to be the drops that the uh you know Eric Decker in the week one I think Welker got it bad from the fans in week two Welker uh, Decker had a couple of his own the, the drops Is this a is this a Peyton Manning problem uh is this a receiver problem
1: Okay, well, let's start with the fact that Peyton Manning has thrown nine touchdowns to no interceptions. Uh, his, you know, his percentage completion is just fine. It's above sixty. It's probably around seventy. Um, you'll probably find it here in a second. Uh, he he's doing just fine. Um, he, you he mentioned 30, 43, That's that's right. About two thirds. Go ahead.
0: You, you mentioned um you mentioned nine touchdowns. I just want to point out that that is a record, um, in the NFL it, coming into the. Uh, week two, the record was Drew Brees, and I, I can't remember the quarterback from. It was someone in the '60s who had thrown eight touchdowns through the first two weeks. Um, Drew Brees had tied it in 2009, and now uh, Peyton Manning is the sole owner of, of record
1: of the record for TDs thrown by a quarterback through the first two weeks with nine, and no interceptions. He's the first quarterback in NFL history to do that. With that many touchdowns, that's the that's the crucial part. Um, so we go through these drops. We look at Eric Decker dropping the football last week. We look at Wes Walker dropping the football. They each had at least two drops. Wes Walker was targeted eight times. Uh, a couple of those were just some off-throws by Peyton Manning, like you mentioned, but, you know, that happens. Uh, he had three receptions, but he had at least two drops. Eric Decker had two drops. He was the leading receiver for the Broncos. He had nine catches for 87 yards, um, so you can't harp on him too much, but... After a very, I mean, a very bad week one, and those drops in week two, people are getting, they're losing faith in Decker. And then we had the Thomases with the drop each. We had Julius and Demarius with a drop each. You know what Peyton Manning does when you drop the football, right, Ian Henson? <laughs> he leaves you a, a letter in your in your locker, I think. Yep. He, he, he's, he's like oh i really liked your commercial wes welker from old spice about you getting trapped in you know a snow globe i'm glad you focused on that instead of focusing on catching the football that's that's Peyton manning how his tone goes across and in, in those notes he sends he always he always points out these guys like oh yeah nice little uh promotion you got there with that company did it make you a lot of money you want to catch the football that'd be cool <laughs> I think uh Decker's definitely in, in uh, trouble with with the Orange Crush
0: people, especially as Orange Julius uh, kind of rears his head and gets gets a little more
1: um, gets a mo- little more national attention. Hey, another uh, touchdown! Yeah. Six catches, 47 yards, another touchdown. Fantasy owners are very happy. Whoever has Julius Thomas. I'm one of them. <laughs> I think probably everybody listening to this podcast has Julius Thomas on at least one of their fantasy football teams. But um, if you if you read Mile High Report and you did not draft Julius Thomas and nobody in your league drafted Julius Thomas, shame on you. Just shame on you. Yeah, we told the, you all offseason.
0: It seems like yeah, the Denver media was was way ahead on Julius Thomas. Was way ahead on Duke and Nacho. Um, there were some players that they're way off on though too. You know, where's Greg Orton? Where's well Brock Osweiler's Brock Osweiler, you could go either way on because he's a backup quarterback. But you know, there's, there's, you know, if you if you if you talk about 20 players, chances are 10 of them will make the team.
1: <laughs> well, that's always the most interesting part of training camp is that year in and year out we have these stars that we see and we're like, man, they look really good this year. Why aren't they moving up the depth chart? Why isn't Greg Gorton moving up the depth chart? Why isn't Matt Willis? He was every training camp every yeah. year the training camp darling. This year was just so interesting because we saw Duke Iannaccio look good. We saw Julius Thomas look good. And we saw them rise up the depth chart. That was very rare. And so it was a pretty neat experience about the 2013 offseason.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a John Fox thing, but he really likes to keep underclassmen in their place. And, and it's weird. To st- I don't know if Ronnie Hillman's still going to be at the top of the Broncos depth chart. Maybe he is. But, um, you know, like even Von Miller was. was not a starter on the depth chart necessarily when when preseason started his rookie season. Um, Nate Irving was another one I thought maybe maybe they were just not putting him at starting middle linebacker and then all of a sudden you know the, the stuff happens with Von Miller and he's starting it strong. When when Von Miller comes back, real quick before we get to our Raiders preview, when Von Miller comes back, do you see
1: him? What do you see happening? I see sacks everywhere. I really do. <laughs> but what do I you mean, do I mean these- When you think about how teams prepare for the NFL these days, they look at the game tape for the last few weeks. So offensive coordinators are going to be looking at the Broncos' defense without Von Miller, and they're going to look at a lot of different players. They're going to be seeing Dookie and Ange, who wasn't there last year. They're going to see a de- defensive line that is almost completely revamped, especially a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. They're going to be looking at this, and they're going to try to scheme against that defense. And then you put Von Miller in there, and the Broncos defense completely transforms. Everything think, they do schematically changes when Von Miller is Do in. you keep do you keep Woodyard
0: at middle and lose Nate Irving completely and put keep Danny in at week? Do you put Nate Irving in the middle, Wesley Woodyard over at week, and Von Miller at strong? Do you take out the Derek Wolf position and just flat out put Von Miller in there at defensive end every play? Do we run a three-four? Like I don't like, there's a lot of I guess interesting.
1: No, no, the Broncos will run a 4-3. Um, Miller will be back in. Wesley Woodyard will be back in. They will find a way to get those two guys on the field uh, for their base package. And then, you know, whatever's left, is, is it Danny Trevathan, is Woodyard in the middle? Um, that's to be determined. That would probably be my guess, is that Woodyard stays in the middle and Danny Trevathan on the other outside linebacker spot. Um, but... You, you keep your best players on the field. When you have versatility like Wesley Woodyard provides, you can get them on the field at middle or at will, and you're fine. So one of my favorite things during the NFL season
0: is when uh, we get to reminisce about that Samuel L. Jackson intro to
1: Monday Night Football. Oh, <laughs> we have the audio for it. It's so oh, good. we get the audio for it on this podcast.
0: <laughs> we have – what is it? We have Raiders. We have Broncos. We have
1: enclosed spaces. Yes. <laughs> That's not my baby. My baby had a face. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember a single quote from it, but you brought it all back. That was good. It's it's so good. For those man. who don't know, it's, it's an ESPN intro to Monday Night Football Raiders-Broncos from like 2002 or 2004 or something like that. And we just bring it up every year on YouTube, every time the Broncos and Raiders play, whether or not it is Monday Night Football. And this year it is Monday Night Football.
0: So Kyle and I have, have vastly differing opinions on, uh, on on what the Broncos will be facing. Um, I think both of us can assume that it's 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 good that the, that the Broncos get to play Terrell Davis or Terrell Davis, Terrell Pryor. Mm, uh, now would. he's probably the only looking at the schedule. He's probably the only um, kind of running quarterback they have on the schedule, and that's what bothers you. Is the, the Raiders' running game.
1: Well, well we're going to face RG3 here in a few weeks, and Mike Shanahan. That game, that game is the game I'm looking forward to most as far as the schedule goes. Now that the Ravens game is out, um, but but this is what I want. I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate. Do I think the Broncos are going to win? Yes, they're the more talented football team. Peyton Manning will find a way to beat their defense. But just play devil's advocate with me for a second. I tweeted this out earlier tonight. Got a lot of responses that I was crazy. But if you were a team built to beat the Denver Broncos, the 2013 Denver Broncos, what would your strengths be? You would want to keep your offense on the field to keep Peyton Manning off the field. And when your defense is on the field, you want to be able to get after that quarterback. You want sacks. You want pressures. You want to have um, very creative, schematic blitz packages. The Raiders have all that. The Raiders are the number one team in the NFL for two weeks of the season in both rushing offense and pass rush defense. They lead the league in rushing yards. They lead the league in sacks with nine sacks. Um, They have two of the top three players in the AFC in rushing yards. Darren McFadden leads the AFC uh, with something like 177 rushing yards. And then third in the AFC is the quarterback, Terrell Pryor. These guys can run the football. They can stay on the field and when you think about it, that is a team built to beat the Broncos. And that's all I'm trying to point out. <laughs> I guess
0: if, if someone's going to beat, if someone was going to build a team to beat the Denver Broncos, it would probably be either Dennis Allen or Mike McCoy. So, um, yep. and you know, Terrell Pryor was Al Davis's last, last actual draft pick. And, and Al Davis, that guy hated the Broncos. <laughs> uh, yeah. What I think, I mean, you're not going to get, you're not going to get, I would be surprised if the Oakland Raiders had more than more than 2 sacks on on Peyton Manning but it's it's all there.
1: I mean the the stars are aligning. You got Chris Clark replacing I, I, Ryan Clady. I was about to say, are you kidding me with Chris <laughs> Clark in there? If I'm Dennis Allen, my mouth is watering. I am creating blitz packages to attack Chris Clark at every turn. But then you look at I mean Ray Rice is is
0: is, is not a bad running back. He's top top 5, at least top 10 running back in the league and the Broncos shut him down. You put in uh, Darren McFadden, who has torn up the Broncos in the past. This is a Three, different Broncos defense. Games. Yeah, this is a different – and I think uh, Jess Place, one of one of the writers of Mile high reporters, is writing about – I don't remember what year it was. I think it was 2010. It was 21 nothing Oakland before, like, most people even got to sit in their seats. It was it was just terrible, oh, terrible games. <laughs> terrible game. That was so bad. Oakland's definitely capable of uh, – of uh, putting a damper on the or wet blanket on the on the Broncos season, but I don't know. I, I don't see the the Broncos losing this game. I don't think anyone's
1: overlooking the Raiders. It's not the same as it used to be, but um, I think everyone is overlooking the Raiders, and that's yeah. my point. It's the rivalry game. It's a prime time game. The Raiders will show up for prime time. You know they will. Terrell Pryors. It's his first primetime start. This guy's going to be fired up, and the Broncos need to be fired up in kind. They need to not be like oh, it's the Raiders, we got this. No, they need, and Peyton Manning won't let them do that, thankfully. But Broncos fans, I'm already seeing complacency. I'm already seeing um, what's the apathy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, they, they are outraged that anyone would even consider that the Broncos could lose this game. This is the Broncos and Raiders. This is records go out the window. This is the division rivalry where, everybody steps up to the challenge and I am stoked for Monday night football against the Raiders.
0: It's probably just as much, uh, I think our fault as anybody's at the, you know, mile high, our, our fault being mile high report, we are the number one, um, Broncos blog on the internet and we, we haven't even done Raiders week. So if we're not doing Raiders week, it's hard to, it's hard to justify the Broncos, um, doing Raiders, Raiders week. So I think, um, you know, We'll keep the previews up this whole week and, and, you know, Mike will be in with his film and we'll have, we'll have articles up the whole week leading up into Monday night. And it'll be nice on Sunday to actually just get to watch football, not have to worry about Broncos and kind of getting go to work, come home, cook dinner and, and watch, them, watch your team play on Monday night.
1: Now, I love the NFL, but I might skip this Sunday, NFL Sunday. And, you know, I like hiking too. Got a few more weekends to hike. Yeah. Go on go, go conquer a mountain. Come back and get ready for some football on, on Monday night. I got a DVR. I can DVR some games and enjoy it later. <laughs> I'm addicted to uh, to red zone. I can't
0: stop. Uh, it's just the, the full-on, like, constant um, attack of the barrage of highlights. I just can't get over it. And, um, you know, you, did Jan just point out Kyle that you do have football on your phone. <laughs> I'm old
1: school. I still use my phone for a phone. It's crazy that's, that's not true. Kyle has yeah. an iPhone and he has football. <laughs> my iPhone sucks I need I need a 5s now. what the heck
0: So let me go um, let me so go. Outdated.
1: <laughs> I,
0: I I will not get into the iPhone versus droid conversation but I want to go back to 2008. So 2008 Shannon was fired. Josh McDaniels was hired. Whenever okay. you want to tell a story, <laughs> whether it was McDaniels who wanted to get rid of Cutler or whether it was a move that came from above, there's there's kind of been – I think it was actually uh, Sakamano who kind of led me to believe that it might have been Bolin who wanted to get rid of Cutler after all. But it doesn't matter. Cutler was traded, Chicago Bears. Um, amongst talks that McDaniels wanted Matt Castle to come in. Thank God that didn't happen. But we did get <laughs> Kyle Orton <laughs> in an 8-8 and season after starting 6-0. and Uh McDaniels had a second draft that was sustained. McDaniels, one thing you can't say good about McDaniels is that he did have good drafts. Um, his his draft, his last draft before he left, kind of sustained the Broncos for who they are uh, now. He, he drafted NoSean Moreno, drafted Robert Ayers, drafted David Brute, drafted Eric Decker, J.D. Walton, Zane Beatles, Demarius Thomas, and of course, uh, Tim Tebow. So during that next during <laughs> during McDaniel's second season, we actually got the re entrance of John Elway who who kind of joined the team in a leadership role. Um, not as an official member, but did, you know, gave the Broncos a, a speech right before they went out and shellacked whether they knew uh the plays that the team was running at beforehand or not, they did put a whacking on an AFC <laughs> West's team. So mm. um and that was the end of McDaniels' tenure. So for 2011, John Elway comes on board officially, hires a defensive coach, John Fox, uh, and they team to draft Bond Miller, Raheem Moore, Orlando Franklin, Nate Irving, Quinton Carter, Julius Thomas, and Virgil Green. Tebow leads into the playoffs. Tebow just misses the Pro Bowl. Which, if if you have been paying attention throughout the the thread of this, is that the Broncos have Pro Bowl quarterbacks and they're still going out and finding other people. Ryan Greasy was a Pro Bowl quarterback in 2000. Jay Cutler was a Pro Bowl quarterback in 2008. Um, so we just so team Tebow that year just misses the Pro Bowl, and LA, much like his mentor, flirts with an all-pro quarterback who is a season removed from football, much like his mentor Mike Shanahan had it all those years before with Steve Young. But this time that all-pro quarterback says yes, joins the Broncos, and we're 15-4 for 15 wins and four losses in. Since Peyton Manning has joined the Denver Broncos, all of this is kind of like just to kind of bring you back around to the to the actual point of this entire show is that we wanted to talk about Breaking Bad.
1: <laughs> are we done with the Broncos talk so we can talk Breaking Bad? Jeez. <laughs> so if you wait, wanted- wait, wait, wait! Before we talk Breaking Bad, I just saw on Twitter. Got to give a shout out, huge shout out to somebody we were just talking about. Wesley Woodyard just tweeted out that he and his wife are having twins. Congratulations, Wesley Woodyard. It's a very cool follow him at Woodrow uh what is his what is his handle on of Woodrow fifty two. Follow him. Check out that picture on Instagram if he and his wife having twins. We're thrilled for you, Wesley. Congratulations. Yeah,
0: congratulations. He's a really he's a really good guy. He's he's uh he's got a show on if you don't listen to it already, he's got a show on I think it's one oh two three or it might be one oh four three. I'm sorry for screwing this up. It's on Monday nights. Um I'm pretty sure it's 104.3 but they record it from uh, not this Monday night (laughs) not this Monday night he does them on Tuesdays if he doesn't have them on Mondays but normally it's a weekly show on Monday night so uh, I had pronounced the episode for me uh, Mandius. there we go and much like much like we did with this podcast the episode opened up with that first that first cook that first that first uh, round of um, of them in the
1: no one can God, so just think about it. I, we do we do a video podcast here where we can gesture to each other, point to each other, and he just saw me gesture that my mind is exploding just thinking about it. I it is that episode was
0: So you see them you see them go back and you have the four lines. You know, you have yo, so what's next? Paul well, says we wait. We don't have like eight more anal things we gotta do first?
1: Paul well, says no, the reaction has begun. So symbolic. I mean, that was just beautiful. The reaction has begun. They started cooking meth. Walt's life changed. It wasn't just a chemical process. It was a chemical process of Walt's transformation to Heisenberg, and now that transformation is complete.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, the whole thing is cause and effect. Which, which we started off the episode talking about cause and effect. You got the, you got that. That's that moment when, when that first starts a little boiling in that, in that flask. That's the moment when. The butterfly flaps its wings in in new mexico and it starts you know flurrying over texas makes its way over africa eventually and then back around to new mexico which is a full-blown category five hurricane and that was this episode this is this i mean it's a slow episode just a, but it like it just meant so much if you were watching the
1: show it was slow as far as I guess action goes, but there was not a slow moment of this episode. It was high tension, high stakes acting, high stakes scenes. It wasn't even it wasn't even slow action wise. I mean we, yeah. we saw a main right. character from the beginning. Okay, you just this is your last chance to drop off, breaking bad listeners. If you want to get into the show, turn off. But we saw we saw him die. We yeah. I mean couldn't believe it. I mean I could believe it. I, I guessed it but I only guessed it an episode ago, like I'm a soothsayer. <laughs> 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 yes. I, I guessed it when he was very much outgunned and outnumbered as, at the cliffhanger of the last episode that he would die this episode, and he did, and Gomez died and Jesse lives. Um, so, Ian, who is the machine gun for? Is it for Jack or is it for Jesse?
0: Well, I want to go back and talk about that line that um, Hank has where he says he's the smartest person. He tells Hank, or I'm sorry, Hank tells Walter, you're the smartest person that I've ever met, and you're still too stupid to see that, that he made up his mind 10 minutes ago. It was one of the best – one of the better lines in the show to
1: me. Oh, that, was, that was an incredible line because it showed that Hank still respects and at some level loves Walt. And that right. He was torn about that too. I mean for him to say that to Walt as one of his last words, his other words being, my name is Asak Schrader. And, you know, <laughs> th- that was a great line. Yeah, so the machine gun. The flash-forward machine gun. Very yeah. first part of episode one of the season, we see a flash-forward, and Walt has a machine gun. Everybody is assuming that that is for Jack now. Do you think that, too? I don't know. It makes too much sense for, <laughs> for the show. But it, and I think, I'm wondering if it's for Jesse. If Jesse escapes and seeks some kind of vengeance on the white family and it goes wrong and he hurts someone and I know, there's jeez this this show
0: right he's already I mean he's already destroyed absolutely everything I don't it's it's so hard to guess this show I mean he, he had that the moment with uh, Skylar from the previous episode where like you know you're talking about the money all the money's out you can take it and everyone's just like no you screwed up everything like <laughs> you've ruined family he's ruined he's ruined his extended family maybe it is for maybe it is for jesse
1: it'll be interesting to see what walt does as he you know what's the vacuum man take his identity he's going to be involved still he's he's too close to his family he's too close to knowing that they're in danger marie is in danger and he has to know that marie is in immediate danger because the nazis are going to want to find that tape oh breaking bad (laughs) <laughs> well, that, then, that, uh, that conversation on the phone between Cranston and Anna Gunn, between Walter White and his wife Skyler, mm-hmm. that, won, that won both of them Emmys in my opinion. That was incredible.
0: I think um, – I mean we also got some good news I guess to, to people who are addicted to Breaking Bad uh, like us is that the show will continue on sort of. Have- Better call Saul. <laughs> I don't know how that shows. I mean – when uh, Joey extended off and uh, from Friends and branched off and did his own show, it didn't go so well. I don't know. Saw I'd watch Saw.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm watching Better Call Saul. It's it's a prequel. It's yeah. a prequel, so you'll know that there there's even going to be eventually some kind of. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it carries over into the Breaking Bad timeline and we have some guest appearances by Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston for a couple of season finales here and there. That'd be
0: yeah, interesting. And, and that's the Maybe. thing. Brian Cranston's not he's not done with. He's done I think with television for a while anyway, but he's gonna go into he's gonna do some theater in Broadway. Um he'll he'll be back in probably a year or two. He's just he's been you know, from Malcolm in the Middle to Breaking Bad, I think it's been like what, twelve, fifteen years, something like that. He's just been straight on television
1: the whole time. He's been in some movies and he's currently in talks to play lex luther he'd be a great fit yeah <laughs> that is walter white jeez yeah. genius, bald evil man and
0: then and then you got hank i don't remember hank, hank like his actual actor's name he's in a show on nbc i get confused dean, every dean, time i'm watching dean norris and i think
1: it's it's yeah. either ABC or cbs it's not nbc it's under the dome
0: cbs probably yeah whenever watching football i see him pop
1: up and i'm like they're showing breaking bad no it's <laughs> different different circumstances altogether. I get, you know, what, you know what we need—we need to do next week, Ian. Sad. Instead of just talking Breaking Bad and boring the people who don't know it, we need to—we need to find the players that match the characters in Breaking Bad. <laughs> who's Skyler? Who's <coughs> Walt? Who's Hank? Who's Marie? We, we can do that. We can do that. Who's Skyler? <laughs> who would be
0: Skyler? <laughs> okay, we'll—we'll we'll work on that for next week. We'll work on that for next week. Thank you guys so much. uh Best of luck to the Broncos, and we'll see you back on uh, next Wednesday. Have a great week.
1: MHR Radio Podcast.
0: (laughs) Bye, guys.